Well, good morning. How are you? Miss Sandy, will this work or do I need the lapel? Okay. Well, I don't know about you guys, but that battle hymn of the Republic makes me kind of swell up with pride. It makes me want to go home and watch something like Braveheart on TV. Uh, it may just be a man thing, but I believe it may be an American thing as well. Um, we're glad you're here today. Um, I know there's several of us out today due to rifle season, and we just pray for safety in the gun woods as well. And uh, we want to start off by recognizing our veterans here in Fulton County. If you ever served or are currently serving, would you please stand up at this time, please? Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And also, after the little skit we just watched, if you're a parent of anybody that's ever served, active or inactive, would you stand up at this time? Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to open up this morning with a story. And you guys may remember this a few years back. There was 12 boys and their coach that was stuck in a cave over in Thailand. And it was known to flood, and it was getting close to flood season. But the boys, like a lot of boys, liked to explore. And their young coach knew the, knew the cave pretty good and thought they could go in there and explore and come back out. Well, it, a flash flood came, and as we know so well here in the Ozarks, that bridges can get over water pretty quick and the same thing happened inside that cave the water level rose and it engulfed that cave with water and the boys had to keep going farther and farther back in the cave to get rid or to escape the water and what happened was they found a little cavity where the water did not make it to and that's where they stayed and they were running out of air and after a a, a team had got together there in town of parents and and family members they looked for the they looked for the kids and the coach and they discovered their bicycles at the entrance of that cave but nobody could go in because it was flooded and after several days and several attempts to rescue them this got national news attention and the media went to broadcasting it and then all over the world these volunteers come to try to save and rescue these boys well a man by the name of Elon Musk the owner of Tesla and SpaceX formed a team together and they began to quickly uh, put together a device that could go in and rescue these boys and the coach. And they kind of put together what was known as like a submarine. And they got the submarine put together. He loaded it up in his personal plane and he flew it over to Thailand. They quickly unloaded it. Some expert divers got together in the local pool and they began to run these drills uh, simulating the rescue. After a couple days, the head of operations had said, we can't use that, Mr. Elon. And so they went on to a different approach. Now, Elon didn't get mad and take his ball and go home, but uh, he sent his team home, but he, he stayed there. Matter of fact, he joined the other volunteers and he rolled up his sleeves and says, what can I do to help? After all the boys, the 12 boys and the coach were rescued, the media asked Mr. Elon, he said, what do you think about, you know, the, the Thailand officials not using your 
you know, your device that you created. And he didn't say, you know, these Thailand people, they don't know who I am. They don't know this elite team that I put together and, the, and the, these rare resources that it, it cost to, to put this priceless vessel together. He didn't say all that. What he said was, the main thing is the boys and the coach are safe and alive. Now I want you all to think about and take note of this man at the height of his game and his attitude. And as I begin to unpack this sermon, I want you to be asking yourself a question. Am I a goat or a sheep? I know that seems like a kind of a funny question, but be thinking about that. Are you a goat or a sheep? And I'm going to attempt to bring two generations together on this because a lot of us older folks will answer pretty quick, there ain't no way I'm a goat. I don't want to be... We've been around goats. We know what they're like. I don't want to be a goat, right? But if you was to ask the younger generations, there would be an immediate response. Yes, I want to be the goat. Yes, that's my desire to be the goat. Because what is the goat? Well, it's a simple acronym. You guys could probably just shout it out, can't you? The greatest of all time, right? Now I see some of you other older folks are kind of perking up like, yeah, that sounds pretty good. I think I'd like to be the goat. Yeah. But the greatest of all time. Um, in basketball, there's always been a, the great debate over who's the best. Is it Michael Jordan or LeBron James? Michael Jordan, I know. But other people are saying, you know, neither. It's, it's, uh, it's Larry Bird. And then some older ones might say, you know, Pistol Pete just can't be beat, Right. Then we we get in the bat, we get in the the boxing world, and you might argue who the best is in boxing. There's lots of good boxers out there, but one man will tell you he's the greatest. If you don't believe me, we'll just ask him. Let's watch this little clip here. I don't think that there's no heavyweight alive who couldn't beat me. I know they're not alive. I'm hollering loud because I can back up every word. And I'll whoop any man in the world, and I want everybody out there on TV to know it. I am the greatest. The referee is looking from a distance. This battle, because it is an unheard of, unprecedented thing to do by a man that's been acclaimed the greatest fighter of all time. He's in trouble. He's in bad trouble. Ali knows it. He's going after him. Never, never make me no underdog and never talk about who's going to stop me. Because ain't nobody going to stop me. Not a heavyweight in the world fast enough to stop me. Ellis is reeling. He looks defenseless on the ropes. The referee may be deciding whether he's going to stop the fight. He is stopping the fight. I predict that this will be Buster's last stand. I will do the Buster what the Indians did to Custer. I'm going to wipe him out. Joe Frazier. 
or something about it. I mean, it just pumps you up, gets you kind of fired up. I mean, come on, guys, y'all know what I'm saying. There's just something about the inside of each and every one of us. We desire to be the goat in something in life, right? But, you know, the, the true greatest of all time wasn't a goat, but he was a shepherd. He was the great shepherd. And his name is Jesus Christ, the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. And that, my brothers and sisters, makes me want to be a sheep. You're asking yourself, what is a sheep? Well, let me ex explain in this simple acronym, this spiritual acronym. And a sheep is very simple. They serve others. They help others. They encourage others. They elevate others. And they pray for others. And we can draw an example from each one of these from the scripture. We start off in scripture. And if, if y'all would, please stand up for the reading of God's holy word. It's going to be kind of lengthy. We've got quite a, quite a bit of scripture today. But it's some good stuff. Um, we're going to start off in Mark 10, 1 verse 35. And it says, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him that is Jesus, and said, Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Just listen to their mentality. These are kind of some alpha men. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left hand. They both wanted to be the goats. Matter of fact, I'm sure they're arguing over who's going to be on the right hand because that's the goat of goats. Then Jesus said, you do not know what you're asking, can you drink the cup I drank or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? Of course we can. They answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drank and be baptized with the baptism I am be, to be baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. And when the ten heard about this, they become indignant with James and John because they wanted to be the goat. So what are they doing? That's some competition for them. So Jesus called them all together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them and not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray that we would take this great example from your Holy Son who said he did not come to be served, but to serve, Father. Help us to serve others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all may be seated. See, the disciples just wasn't getting this whole serving thing. I mean, you just imagine a group of this many men together. We've got 12 men, and they're all kind of the alpha, you know, just strong, tough men, you know, and they're, they're just not getting served. I mean, so Jesus goes on a little bit farther in, in Scripture, and he, and, he, and he tells them. They're kind of all arguing over who's going to be the greatest. And in John chapter 13, we go to verse 3. And Jesus sets them all down. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. 
Let's stop right there. Right there it tells us who Jesus is. He's God's holy son. There's nobody above Jesus. Okay? That tells you his authority right there. Next step. So Jesus got up from the meal and took out his outer clothing. He put on his work clothes. And wrapped a towel around his waist. He put on an apron. After that, he poured some water into a basin, which was the job of a servant, and began to wash his disciples' feet. Now, that washing feet was an entry-level servant job. Like, if you just got on board, you're a new servant in the house, guess what you're going to be doing? You're washing feet, and then you work your way up from there. The King of Kings and Lord of Lords... Submitted himself to the lowest earthly job there was. And he started washing these disciples' feet. Now imagine what's going on in their mind. He dried them off with a towel he had wrapped around him. And then he came to Simon Peter and said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Simon's like, you're going crazy. What are you doing? You don't do this kind of stuff. You're Jesus. And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing but later, you'll understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. You've gone crazy. They're going to see you. Quit doing this. Some, you know, let one of the servants come in and do this. Get up, get up, Jesus. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter, he's starting to get it. Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Do my whole body. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew that one was going to betray him, and that is why he said not everyone was clean. And when he had finished washing their feet, he put his clothes back on and returned to his place. Y'all see that? He returned to his place. He stepped down from being Lord of Lords and stepped down and become the lowest of servants. Then once he completed that, he stepped back into his place, letting others know where he stood. And then he said, do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also wash one another's feet. I have said it. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Now that you guys know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You're going to be blessed if you serve. There's a serving, there's a special blessing in serving. I think about our brotherhood that meets once a Saturday. A group of men and ladies come up here it, the first month, the first Saturday of every month, and they volunteer their morning to do, to have a work day. And not only that, when we get done, they hand out a donation for the food, the breakfast they'd had to pay for that. That is serving. And they, was, they, they all got a smile on their face. There's just something about serving that blesses you. Okay, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Because I am a servant of the Most High God. I, when I serve others, I'm serving God. Okay? Would you all say this with me? 
I am a servant of the Most High God. When I serve others, I'm serving God. If we have that mentality, when we serve others, we're serving God. You know, we think about who we're truly working for there. Moving on to the H now in our acronym, and that is helping others. Helping others. I think of the, call it through the roof. Y'all remember back in scripture in Mark chapter 2 verses 3 through 5. You know, we had this group of friends. These four friends have, a fr- have another friend, the fifth one, and he's paralyzed. He's not able to walk. So these guys are carrying him around on a mat. And they're all trying to get to Jesus, but they're, they're having some trouble. So it says, some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. These four good friends. I, those right there are some good friends, folks. If you've got friends like that in life, hang on to them. Verse 4, since they could not get to him, get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening up in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. And then they lowered the mat the man was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. And he got up and walked. Those four guys were helping another guy. I think of Jesus. You know, we, we just think of Jesus. You know, he healed the sick. He gave sight to the blind. He restored the lame. And that, what, what about the Good Samaritan? That comes to mind, too, and I think of helping others. I know you guys all remember the story of the Good Samaritan. You know, we have this, this gentleman that's laid down on the road. He's been beat. He's been robbed. And he's, he's down there hurting. Don't know if he's about to die or what. But all these people that walk by are just stepping across the road and not giving him any attention. And the Samaritan comes. He addresses his wounds, cleans him up, places him on his own donkey, takes him into town, pays for his lodging and whatever care that he needs, and says, when I come back, I'll pay for the rest of it. The Samaritan was helping others. We're also commanded in Scripture to help others. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, it says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. Guys, we see people around us that are so overloaded with burdens they can barely make a next step. And mostly, sometimes we'll just say, hey, I'll pray for you and all them burdens. Praying's good, but grab one of them bags off their back and help them. Help each other with their burdens. Guys, now more than ever, we need to help each other and stand with one another. Moving on to the E now in our acronym, then that is encourage others. Encourage others. I don't have a lapel on, so I'm going to stand here. But I really wanted to come down to you and read this. But we all need encouragement. We try to stay positive in life. We try to stay, you know, confident. But the truth is, some days we just have days where we we feel down in the dumps and we have the blues. And I was having a day like that. I felt like I just wasn't cutting it at work. You know, this went wrong, that went wrong. And you just... Well, you're just having a good old-fashioned pity party. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Maybe I'm the only one that have those. Well, I needed some encouragement. I drove home, kind of down the dumps. Even a, my favorite song wasn't bringing me up. I pulled in my driveway. I got out and I checked my mail. I went to thumbing through some cards and envelopes. And I seen one that says Joshua Smithy. You know, there's something about just getting mail. You know, it's just different. I remember when I was a kid, that was good stuff. I know you got, do y'all still, do y'all ever get mail? Email? Like email is probably old now. Anyway, I pulled out this letter. 
And, and I opened it up. Mind you, I've got the old blues. I pulled it out. And on the front of it, it reads, Anything you did for even the least of my people here, you did for me. And that's Matthew 25, 40. And I opened it up, and I began to see some handwriting. And I began to read it. And I don't read this to brag on myself. I'm bragging on the ladies that wrote this. When I saw this card, I thought of you. God has used you to touch the lives of so many. Your loving, compassionate heart reaches out to those in need. You understand their despair and needs because of where you've been. God uses those experiences now to minister to others. Nothing in our lives, even the bad stuff, is ever wasted. And they begin to quote Romans eight thirty-seven through 39, saying that we are more than conquerors. And then it says, we love you and pray for you and your family and ministry. And that was from First Baptist Church in Salem. In First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, it says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are already doing. Joanna Lowry, Gwen Hutchins, you were already doing these things. You were encouraging and building the family up because I'm sure I'm not the only one that has received a church a letter from the church. And I don't know about you guys, but it, it lifted me up. I went from singing the blues to whistling a hymn. It just lifted me up. You guys have a, a gift for encouragement. Thank you. Moving on now to our second E, and that is elevating others. Elevating others. In Scripture, we find the man by the name of John out in the wilderness in a coat made out of camel's hair, preaching. And you see, just think about what it must have been like for John. Here he is at the height of his career. He has people running over each other, trying to get to hear or maybe even possibly see him speak. And he gained a, he gained a large number of followers. But when Jesus began preaching and teaching, all of his followers began to follow Jesus. And they were vastly leaving him. It's like somebody had pulled the plug and the water was quickly running out. His disciples come to him pleading, John, John, we're losing all of our disciples. Everybody's going to follow Jesus. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And with confidence, John, we find John's answer to them. In John chapter 3, verse 30, he says, He, he must become greater and I must become less. Guys, John had modeled what it meant to glorify Jesus Christ in his life. You see, when people had put him high on that pedestal, he humbly stepped down and elevated Jesus Christ into his rightful position because Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And lastly, we find our letter P, and that is pray for others. And in, in the book of John, chapter 17, it says, y'all just think about this for a minute. This is, this is Jesus praying to his heavenly Father. And it's such a sweet prayer if you just think about that. And you place yourself into that person that Jesus is praying for. Because he's praying for each and every one of us. Y'all listen to these words because he's praying for you. 
My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me, that's you guys, through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you and I are, you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me, be with me where I am, and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Oh, man. I mean, could you imagine Jesus during that time when, when, when he prayed that? Could you imagine him down on his knees and, he, and, he, and he's thinking... Because he's omnipotent. He's thinking of each and every one of us at that exact time. And he's thinking about you. He's thinking about you. The great shepherd. Soon after this, Jesus would be arrested. And the great shepherd would soon become the sacrificial lamb. But he'd done this to protect his sheep. He was beaten. Tortured. Mocked and killed for you, for you, for you, for you, and for you. Amy, do you want me to put that on? I want to end with a story. And some of you may have heard this story. There was an island over in Europe that was controlled by a British atheist. And he vowed that no priest, no Christian would be allowed on that island. He was through with Christianity. If you were a priest or had any doings with Christianity and happened to be shipwrecked on that island, you would be isolated until a boat could come get you and remove you from that island. He was through with Christianity. He's through with God. Two Moravian missionaries caught wind of this, and they couldn't bear the thought of those citizens dying on that island and not ever hearing the sweet, beautiful gospel. And they began to put in some deep thought on what they would do in order to solve the problem. And after some deep thought, there was only one solution, but it it would be final. The two boys in their early 20s would sell themselves to this atheist as slaves and become slaves on the island in order to maybe get a window in to witness to some of those people. And after the British atheist bought these two missionaries, he didn't even bring them over to the island. They had to use the money that they were purchased with 
to buy a ship fare to go over to that island. And as they were leaving, of course, their family, friends, and loved ones all gathered around, and their church members gathered around. And as the boat's sailing off, everybody's saying bye, tears in their eyes. One of the young men runs to the back of the boat and yells, May the lamb that was sacrificed receive the reward of his suffering. Guys, I don't know about you, but that is dedication. Because he suffered for his sheep, will you choose this day to be his sheep? Because one day, he's going to separate the goats from the sheep. And to the goats, he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. Saddest words on paper. But to the sheep, he'll say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Friends, if you're here today and you're not sure which category you fall in, don't leave this church house without nailing down your salvation because none of us are promised tomorrow, not even the next second in life. Today is the day for salvation. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would stir hearts, motivate us, encourage us, Father, to go out and serve others, to help others, to encourage others, to elevate others, and to pray for others. I pray that thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.